we, we have a, a wide variety and a lot of smart people and accountability and responsibility means something. And in order to run a business, you have to provide people those that accountability and responsibility to do the jobs that they've been hired to do. Steve Jobs says we hire smart people not to tell them what to do, but for them to tell us what to do. And I, I believe that. Welcome to the Power of Respect podcast with Charlie Likewise, author of the book, The Power of Respect in Business. Charlie is one of America's foremost authorities on respect and leadership development. And now, here's Charlie. Hello, I'm Charlie Likewise. Welcome to another episode of the Power of Respect podcast. Today, we are talking about chapters of legacy and family business. My guest today is David Judson. David is the founder and CEO of JJR Solutions. JJR Solutions is a service-disabled, veteran-owned small business focused on delivering consulting and technology solutions to the federal government. They help clients change, quote-unquote, business as usual through human-centered products and services. I would be remiss if I didn't point out that David is a 21-year veteran of the United States Air Force. David has significant experience not only with his business, but also as an advisor to other organizations. He's a member of the board of Kids in New Directions, an organization that provides outreach to at-risk, underserved children in Dayton, Ohio. He also serves on the board of, of American Veterans Heritage Center. Please welcome David. David, great to be with you. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So as we said, I've kind of labeled this as chapters of legacy. We've spoken briefly before. Uh, you're in the process of, of growing your business continually, your family-owned business. And uh, you've been through the process of thinking about what are the future chapters that go on as well. So when it comes to legacy, give, give us in our audience maybe an understanding of how you look at legacy. Um, it, that's a great question. I think a couple of ways... Um at least from a personal or family perspective and a business perspective. And I'll, I'll start with the family because that informs the business from, from my perspective and then goes back. Uh, you know, I, 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 was, uh, I was raised in a, in a home where faith was really important and that is, that has continued through my life. And to me, from a legacy perspective with my family, it is living that out and doing the right things that are associated with that, with my faith, uh, which then lends itself to how I focus or what I look at from a business perspective. And I, and the business itself is not a faith-based business, but the things that we do in my mind um, lends itself to that for me, which is, um, as I lead and and uh, serve and grow in this business, it's in a way that is founded in a set of values that um, that uh, I believe in. And then from that, the more successful the business is, the more I can do along with that. And I think I've talked to you a little bit about one of the focus areas for me is is to be able to give back um, to the community and to others in a way that um, is consistent um, with that. I think that's a very important point, the concept of understanding the communities that you and your business affect is a, is a key part of understanding the legacy you want to have. And the concrete foundation of that, if you will, are these values, as you talk about, mm -hmm. um, and the family values and how they translate into 
how you treat people, how the business works, what you believe in, et cetera, and then yep. how you communicate with your family members. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's important. And and um, I realize too, when you run a business, it's, it's really, um, it's an extension of a lot of people at the end of the day, because as you grow, you have more and more people um, come from all walks of life, looked at things through different lenses. And, um, but there is hopefully a common thread among them in one way, shape or form, whether it's the same faith or not, but it's really important from a values perspective that you meet, that, that you mentioned that um, those are center to who we are um, in terms of how we treat each other uh, as a business and how we support and serve each other, which then translates out to this, to our custom, our customers, our clients, our community and things like that. If, if those are out of alignment, it can create some real challenges that aren't, they're not unsurmountable, but they could really take a lot of your time that you don't want to spend in those spaces. Certainly. So you're the founder. So you're basically G1, if you will, generation <laughs> one for this yeah. business. So it's, it's not like there's a lot of history of the evolution of, of decision-making, but how would you describe the currently how decision-making is done, which is actually in my mind, the broadest term for governance. Yeah. So I'll say that um, first, I'm in terms of this business. Yes, I am. You know, generation one. I will, I will tell you that my grandfather uh, owned uh, his, his own business back in the uh, the 30s and 40s. In fact, if you could see on this, you'd see his desk sitting behind me in my office as a reminder of where I came from. Um, my father had his own businesses while he was in while he served our our Air Force. He had some landscaping businesses, so it was kind of bred into me. Um, and, and so from a, when you talk about governance and decisions, um, you know, you mentioned I was in the air force for 21 years of my life. I grew up in that environment too. And so, uh, I, I'm a, uh, um, I'm a, I'll say I'm a governance decision kind of guy or kind of person, and there's accountability and responsibility. That doesn't mean one person makes all the decisions and everybody marches behind you and off you go. Um, decisions from, for me, from a business perspective, and then I'll even talk from a, from a family perspective, are that we have a really we, we have a, a wide variety and a lot of smart people and accountability and responsibility means something. And in order to run a business, you have to provide people those that accountability and responsibility to do the jobs that they've been hired to do. Steve Jobs says we hire smart people not to tell them what to do, but for them to tell us what to do. And I I believe that um, in a collaborative way. And so uh, the decision making from my perspective, it's really important make sure that the folks that you surround yourself understand with clarity what their role is, what they have responsibility for, and what they can make decisions upon. But it's my job and anybody else that is between them and, and th those things to support them, not to second guess them, to support them and help them in that, in that space. So from a business perspective, it's really important. From a family perspective on the business, it's a little different for me. You and I have talked, um, I have, um, an older daughter and and her husband husband works for the business. Um, they don't have a desire to run the business, uh, but I do lean into them. There's a lot of things that happen here that um, my family provides a lot of alternatives and a lot of um, perspectives that I may not have. And especially my wife, who uh, has she was in banking for a lot of years and then she raised our children and and, and is now in a place where she's playing with our grandchildren and helping raise them as well. But she's probably one of the smartest people in terms of giving me advice because she knows me and she's grounded in the right places where she kind of brings me back to center 
um, when I begin to get off that. Right. It sounds based on what you described as I listened to it, you've certainly embraced the diversity of voice uh, oh, yeah. in terms of, and it's it, not just in terms of diversity, it can mean a lot of different things to different people. But in this particular case, I'm referring to the diversity of voice, which is based on experience and relationships. And, uh, you know, tell us how that influences the business and do others besides yourself in the business recognize that connection? Um, so, yes, others in the business certainly do. Others leaders and leaders throughout i don't mean just the executive leaders but we have a I'm, I'm a believer that everybody leads something um in the business i don't care where you're at or what what level you're at you're leading something of some nature um diversity of voice uh in our culture that we've that we've uh, established here it's nearly required for you to be successful um and you know it's it's harder to say that when you're smaller and you're growing and you're in the very front stages of entrepreneurship and you have five or six or eight or 10 people and everybody's trying to do everything to help and get to a, a common place. But at some point, everybody has to get in their swim lane and um, do their jobs and do it well, but support each other. And that diversity of voice and diversity of acceptance is really important in that because I don't know everything, especially as it gets larger. And I need those other voices to be able to inform me in what I do. And this, and and likewise, I think that's why my executive team, the two other folks that run the business on a day-to-day -day basis, we get along so well and we understand what it means to do those things. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but I, I was raised like that. I go back to that all the time. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the people around you that you can trust, that care about you and know what you're trying to do and who you are, are going to be the ones that you should be listening to. Well, I, th I think it's, you know, some of your military background comes to play here as well. But yeah. as you said, things have even evolved on that front uh, from pure command and control to actually participation in decision making. Yeah, when, yeah uh, that, that's a bit of a hard thing sometimes, especially when you're raised in that, right? Um, right. What my wife would say that I'm a, in fact, my, all the spouses, I have two older sisters, all the spouses say, we Judsons are controlling. And um, maybe it's the way we were raised. And I think, and my wife would would say that I'm less controlling than I used to be, but you have to unwind yourself a little bit. And it, it depends on the situation. Certainly when you're in the military and you're doing things that have to be done right away, and there isn't a lot of um, gray space to um, allow for too much in diversity of voice, because you have to go do something, whatever it is. But for me to unwind that and know that not everything has to be done right away. In fact, there are, I tell people, there are very few things at JJR Solutions that require a decision right now to get done because we have time um, as opposed to some of the other environments. Now, if we don't, we need to rally behind the person that makes a decision and make sure it's successful. You know, that concept of having time to act and react is important to me. It triggers thoughts relative to sports as well. When oh, yeah. we see people do, you know, perform technical abilities on, on a field of play, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. uh, they're doing that under pressure of the competition. And yet they, once they get to the point where they're comfortable enough to understand, I have time to react, even if it's a nanosecond, right. they, you know, they can do, I mean, your example of, of your allegiance to the Bengals and Joe Burrow is a perfect example of <laughs> how, how, you know, when the game slows down enough, again, slows down doesn't mean to a crawl, but slows down enough people to be comfortable and make this look at their options and make decisions that's that's really key 
Yeah, I, I think uh, when people begin to master their craft, whatever that is, and I think uh, I've, I've heard others uh, talk about this, and even after the game from a sports, and I'll give you a military example too, that they, they're in such a zone that, like you said, things seem to be moving in slow motion, even though they're not. And they're able to assess and make the right determination of what to go do in those those cases. And it's because of all of that preparation that they've that they've done all the study and all the things that's required to be successful, whether it's in sports or, or business or anything that you're doing. I'm reading a book right now. In fact, I'm at the end of it called Fearless. And it's about a Navy SEAL named Adam Brown, who um, the, the course of his life out of up through high school and the first part of college, which um, led him to becoming a SEAL. There is no way he should have ever gotten into the Navy, and there's no way he should have ever been able to be a SEAL. And then from being a SEAL to move to SEAL Team 6, which is the top 1% of all SEALs. And he, and they talk about that idea of craft. And, you know, we all think, we all hear about, and we think about the SEALs, and they're amazing, and they are. But he said, even to get to the next level, these top 1%, um, you have to be able to do things that nobody else rarely in the world can do. And it gets back to that idea of chaos and what does chaos look to them? There's rarely chaos. Um, they call it, it gets bad, which bad is chaos to the normal human being, but to them, they are thinking through and how to, how to react in those times. And again, it's just an example of training and craft and commitment and all the things it takes to be successful. Um, and, you know, you could relate that back to even as you go back, if I draw that out and how I interact in business and even with my family in those things and, and um, whether you're raising kids or you're running a business. That's, that's a great way to create a, a culture of that for people so they can understand that, A, they have support, that you want them to learn things and that you're there to make sure that they learn things of their craft within the variables they have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And they have to. That's part of the, that's part of the thing. I mean, not everybody wants to, I think everybody wants to be successful and, and they see things and they want, they want to do that, but they don't always understand what it takes to get there to do those things. And um, it's, a it's, um, and if we put them in a situation where they are doing those things, it could be detrimental to them and detrimental to us. And from a business perspective and from a people perspective, that's certainly not something you want. And so to be very intentional about those things in your culture and what's inspected, I just had a conversation right before this with one of our leaders about that in terms of we're looking to somebody that may get promoted, but we need to make sure that they understand what that truly means and what decisions they'll be able to make and the authority and the accountability and responsibility that comes with that. Um, because it all looks nice from the outside until you get in it and go, well, maybe I didn't like that. But we need to make sure that we're being right by those individuals. That's all part of the preparation you talked about, yeah. which I think is a, a different angle that people don't always think about. How do you prepare folks? Um, mm -hmm. You know, in, in family world, it's maybe called generational engagement, but it goes beyond that. Preparing everyone who needs to have responsibility and accountability uh, in, the, in the organization. I think that's a, a great concept. No. Um, so you mentioned your son-in-law is in the business and you have yes. an older, your daughter who's not in the business, if I understand it correctly, right? She is not. She worked here when she was 15, 14 or 15, uh, and decided this wasn't what she thought she would want to do, which, um, but uh, yes, my son-in-law is is working with us. He's worked with us for about three years now. Okay. And then you mentioned your wife. Is there, are there any other extended family members 
uh, even remotely related to this business? Um, when you say related, uh, nobody else works in the business, but uh, I have a younger daughter who's a senior in high school. I have two older sisters, one of which who wants to work in the business, but she works in another business, and the other one is in uh, a civil servant in the United States Air Force, so she's unable to, although she said she'd love to work here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not so sure I, I need my sisters to work here. <laughs> so so how do you how do you look at that in terms of how do you look at succession planning or Sure. You know, building the legacy forward, not tomorrow, not the next day, but looking a little mm -hmm. further in the future, given all these dynamics. Well, um, so succession planning to me, uh, it it came down to kind of how long do I have? Um, how much time do some of my family members have that might be interested? And then um, if if those aren't aligned, who do I trust? Uh, that if something was to occur, whether it be I'm just exiting or I happen to, to have an accident and become incapacitated or pass away or whatever it is. Um, and so I do have a succession plan in place for for somebody um, to that would then that would take over fully and then execute the things that are in that succession plan that are related to both the business and my family. Um, and interestingly enough, it was my wife who I had somebody else that I was that was in the succession plan, and she suggested another individual, and asked me why is that person not the one. And after I thought about it, it was a great question. And now that person that she said why isn't that person the one? That person is. Mm -hmm. And so there's that part of it. I also think of the succession planning uh, from that perspective. If I do exit in some other way, um, what are some of the other things that, as a result of that, that um, that would energize in terms of the generational things that you and I talked about before in terms of there's still just because the business goes away or I'm no longer a part of it doesn't mean the things that got me there to build it aren't still applicable to how we um, support our community and run our lives and, and support our children and grandchildren and help them continue to grow because I won't be around here forever. Oh, right. And, and when you say not around, too, you mentioned one one aspect of not being physically around. But on the other hand, not being around relative to that business is still part of what we talked about as well. Repurposing the wealth from this business to another version of the legacy or even separate versions, depending on family members who want to say, here's what I would do with a share of that. Right. How, without getting into too much details, how, how does that look to you? Um. So it looks <laughs> looks great once we get there. Uh, so there, <laughs> there's a couple of things. I uh, it's important to me because I you know I, I I grew up in a family that I always had love. I always had food. I always had all the things that I needed on 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 in my life. We didn't have a lot of opulence or a lot of money or other things, but that wasn't the important thing because I didn't know we didn't have it because we didn't have it. Um, it's important to me that as we continue to go down this path and given there is an exit where there is some, some wealth extraction um, that can ruin a family that can ruin people. If we're not really diligent about what it, what that means for us as a family. And so my wife and I have already started the process of looking at how do you, what, what do we do to set up a foundation to take a generous portion or a large portion of whatever we might get and place it in there. So it's fenced off for nothing other than um, philanthropy or nonprofits or whatever it is. The other part of that is how do I get my family involved in some way of how do we, what do we do with that? How do we, how do we uh, use that to make 
places where we live, work, and play better, um, right. or how to identify places that we don't live, work, and play that could use because of where our passions and our focus areas are um, at the same time. And, and so um, certainly we want to do that. Um, with that wealth will come some, some responsibilities for my wife and I and what we, what we do with that and how we are, be as careful as possible not to let it change who we are inside of ourselves and um, to, to, be, to be just super careful about that. And I, we have people around us, uh, family members and friends, that will certainly um, be a part of that, that sounding board uh, that um, will help us not get off track. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a great example of how the journey doesn't necessarily have to have a specific endpoint to it or an understanding mm -hmm. of everything in the future. But you are making decisions today for the benefit of future generations, which I think is important, at least modeling them as you see them as possible going forward. Yeah, and, and we've worked with, like we've done estate planning and and how um, how that would be executed um, for our kids and grandkids. Um, you know, they're all very fortunate. We, we have a really close family. And I mentioned to you before that we get together every Sunday and have family dinners with my sisters and nieces and nephews. And there's probably on any occasion anywhere from eight or 10 to 14 or 15 people every Sunday, just fellowshipping. And, um, you know, that close family will, will allow us to, um, do some things and checks and balances with everybody, but we also want to be careful because, you know, if for folks who haven't had to um, manage that kind of wealth, uh, it could become overwhelming. And I, my wife and I had a conversation recently that we just don't want it to become so easy that something we want something and so we buy it because it's not going to make us happy. It might make an instantaneous, ooh, look at my new watch or my car or, or my picture or whatever it is, but that's fleeting. And we need to make sure that that isn't the source of our focus or our happiness. You know, that speaks to maintaining the, the core family values and what they're all about in terms of others and focusing on others. So it's yeah. very important um, to do that. And, and it's great that you guys have. Now, the family's growing. So you have grandchild or children? I can't remember if it was more. We have two. We have, uh, we have a three-year-old grandson and a, a uh, about an 18-month-year-old grandson. So eventually down the road there, you know, decisions you make today will be affecting them as well going forward. Yeah, I would, I would certainly think so. It's interesting. What I find in some family businesses, the challenge is at G1, there may be two or four people directly involved in the family. By the time you get to G4, there could be 30 or 40 people. Right. And it becomes a much more challenging opportunity for communication, engagement, et cetera. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I won't be around at that point, unfortunately. Hopefully we're doing the right things with our kids and grandkids that they'll be able to manage that. I know that others that I have talked to that have either sold their businesses and their life circumstances have changed, that um, it became challenging because of people that thought they were owed something or whatever it may be. And you and I talked a little bit about that. And so being um, mindful of that and not being arrogant about it is really important because it's an opportunity to to understand and communicate, not necessarily just push somebody aside and say, no, you're not, you know? And so uh, making sure that we're representing our family and our values in the right way when that occurs. So as you look back, you know, 
historically from back to your father or grandfather in terms of it wasn't the same business you're in so it isn't looked at necessarily as a continuous thing but they you know they're those generations made and earned things and and considered passing along even if it's just the values which is obviously the most important generation generation what did you see them doing in terms of 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 considering future generations that obviously ended up being you as part of it yeah you know it was it was different for them and you know it's always easy to say it was different for them but the things that they did uh, were much more focused on um the values and um the family unit in terms of its interaction being there for them those types of things and and i think that's foundational for um for us and for me um you know uh, the, the the focus isn't on making money it's what maybe we can do to help others with that but our focus remains and that's why we have our family dinners and we try to spend time in the things that are relational versus transactional and um they they built that into our family as as a whole um you know, across the extended family of other folks that are across the country that we we don't get to see as much, but when we do, it's as though we saw them yesterday because we have this common value to us. Oh, that's great. <clears throat> that's that's great to make sure everyone is you know touching base with everyone in terms of getting to know each other and and what you're all about and continuing to instill the family values going forward. Yeah. Uh, in terms of your experience with these concepts that you know relate to legacy, whether it's governance generational engagement, succession planning, et cetera, what have you, what would you like to add to our listeners as, as advice as the, as they might be on the same journey, maybe at a different point, but on the similar journey? Sure. You know, I, uh, I've spent a lot of time, especially over probably the, the, the last six or eight years, um, just investing in others uh, that have invested in me. And for no other purpose, you know, folks that I've known for years and have helped guide me and mentor me along the way and going back and, and spending time with them to understand. And um, because I know that they had their be the best interests for me and what they were doing. And I would say that never forget where you came from and the people that touched your life. Um, if you become so big that you forget that and so full of yourself. Uh, it's going to be a pretty tough and empty time because eventually you find yourself alone and nobody wants to be alone. So that would be one thing. Uh, the The other is when you when you look forward and um, when I started the business, I had this five year plan and now I'm in year 14 of, of that five year plan. And you said it earlier, which is so true. You just don't know what's going to happen. You have all the great plans in the world, but if you don't um, step back when those things happen that didn't happen to, to ha uh, occur the way you wanted them to, and you're not thinking about alternatives or, or um, just going, hey, you know what, if it's that bad, it'll only get better. Something my dad used to tell me all the time that um, so you can push through and go forward. If, if, if those two things don't align in your life, it'll become really frustrating. And then if you're if if you're so focused on success, whatever that is, define it. And when you when you hit it, don't try to do more. One of my board members recently told me, when and if you ever sell the business, if you have a number in mind and somebody comes to you and offers that number, don't look back. 
don't think because you can get an extra dollar that was it move on and keep keep doing what you're doing so i would just say those people in the past continue to look to them and um looking forward in the things that i talked about as well and staying true to yourself knowing who you are yeah that's that's why it's so important to understand the generations in any business and and, and make sure the lessons learned from that are what you bring to the table and share with others so that they can continue to share it going forward as well. I would agree. David, I really appreciate your time and your wisdom. I know our, our viewers are going to enjoy this conversation as well. I want to thank David Judson for being with us today, and I especially want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Power of Respect. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the podcast and visit our website at expertsinhow.com. A quick reminder, if you'd like to read my book, The Power of Respect in Business, it's available on Amazon. And look for my new book coming out soon titled The Power of Legacy in Family Business. Thanks again for listening. And remember, respect builds trust, trust builds relationships, and relationships are the key to leadership. Thank you. This has been The Power of Respect podcast with Charlie Likewise author of the book, The Power of Respect in Business. To listen to more episodes and to learn about Charlie's leadership development programs, visit his website, expertsinhow.com.